Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Uh, excited for today's episode on the UCF Power of Sport series with the U- DeVos uh, Sports Business Management Program. Fortunate to be joined by our guest today, Nicole Pincus from uh, Momentum Worldwide, their VP of Business Leadership. Uh, we'll discuss a little bit of Nicole's path to, on how she got to where she is now. Uh, and then we'll dive into the power of sport, what she thinks it is, uh, diversity in terms of ideas and diverse dollars, uh, and we'll go from there. So nonetheless, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So I'll throw the power of sport question to you at the end, uh, and I'll let you you kind of stir (laughs) on that one. But you know, for, for our listeners, let's just dive into how you got to where you are a little bit, a quick roadmap. Uh, I would love to talk about your rugby experience because I think that that is unique about you. Um, obviously, a lot of people, you know, they go work for the NBA like you did when you started out. But I mean, rugby, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll give a, I'll try to give a high level. I've had a lot of jobs <laughs> and anyone you can see on my LinkedIn page, I've been a lot of places, had a lot of jobs. Um, but most of my experience before coming to Momentum was on the property side um, and in the sponsorship space, directly or indirectly. Um, so yeah, kind of your typical you know places that you hear from a lot of folks probably on your podcast, you know NBA, um, NASCAR, um, NHL for the Tampa Bay Lightning, your Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so really fun, really great. Was trying to kind of find my way throughout my career. It, as to what I liked, did I like the sales side, activation, um, you know, kind of dabbling with some marketing. Um, and then had an opportunity actually through Bernie Mullen with the Aspire Group. Um, yeah, so, so great. And one of my mentors, one of my husband's mentors as well. And, um, you know, he had been working with the National Rugby League over in Australia, kind of consulting with them over the years and finally convinced them that they needed uh, some people on the ground, some folks from the US with um, a different set of experience, um, a little bit more advanced knowledge of the industry to come over and and, uh, work with them. So that was a huge opportunity that we just couldn't turn down and they kind of got a two for one with my husband and I. So um, we went over there as a package deal and uh, he started the first ever um, outbound sales effort for the NRL, um, that was just not something that they did really over there. Um, and I kind of did a lot of the other stuff, uh, you know, marketing and sponsorship and event experience and fan experience and um, all, all of the other stuff, basically, I dabbled in. And it was an amazing experience. And who doesn't want international experience, right? So uh, we really couldn't turn it down. It was a phenomenal couple of years and really hoping we get back there one day, like, to do it all again or, or retire there. I don't know. Um, but when we came back from, from Australia, um, I was really pretty dead set on finding a job on the agency side. So, you know, when you work in the sponsorship space, um, and that's where I've kind of gravitated toward and found that I really um, enjoy the most. And when you work in the sponsorship space, you know, there's the properties, there's the brands, and there's the agencies and there's obviously other players i'm kind of simplifying it but if you eventually in the sponsorship space want to work on the brand side and, and call the shots um you really need to understand how agencies work and the relationship um with those three pieces so 
I was pretty intentional about finding a job in an agency, um, came across Momentum and have been here for uh, four years now and in my fourth role actually at Momentum. Um, so I've clearly found um, a good spot to land and found some success here and um, it's been really great. I, I really am enjoying the agency life a lot more than I thought I would. What are some of the, I mean, let's just talk on that point. Like, what are some of the misconceptions of the agency world before you get in that people don't know about? Um, actually, I don't know if there are many misconceptions. I think people understand, you know, at agencies, it's pretty commonly known that you work hard and you play hard. There are some great perks to the job. Um, and they're, you know, typically very relaxed, um, casual atmospheres. You get to work very closely with a lot of creative-minded folks. For someone like me that is not, I would not consider myself overly creative. I like to say that I will take a creative idea from someone else and make it work or make it better, but I'm not the creative. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of hours. You work a lot, but no day is the same. Um, and you just get so much exposure to brand marketing not just sports marketing, um, different clients, different industries, different categories. You just kind of, there's just so much variety um, in working at an agency that you just get exposure to. So I've really loved that part of it the most, I think. Let's dive into that kind of diversity of brands, diversity of experience. Um, they're all spending a little bit differently. They're all utilizing and activating a little bit differently. Uh, when you think about diversity in terms of clients, what does that mean to you? Uh, and how do you go about serving your clients the best way possible in terms of diversifying their portfolio or diversifying their experiences? Yeah, you know, diversity can mean lots of things, right? Um, and I happen to work on one client at a time. Um, right now, that's Verizon. Um, but I used to work on American Express. Um, so, you know, you're working in my role, you're generally working on one client, but being part of an agency and, and not just an agency, but an agency network. So Momentum is part of McCann World Group, which is part of interpublic group of companies. So IPG, which is, you know, one of the major agency holding companies in the world. Um, and just what you get access to there, you know, just constantly sharing what other brands are doing. And, and usually not necessarily in the same category or at least within momentum because, you know, there's conflicts and you can't necessarily have the same, um, you know, multiple brands in the same category. So that kind of gets divvied up. But um, throughout our agency network, we do have um, competing uh, brands um, throughout it. So you just get to see a lot of work. You get to see a lot of different ways of thinking. And we're a global company to begin with. So you get to see a lot all over the globe and, and what they're doing and how they're doing it and how different cultures impact brand marketing um, or sports marketing. Um, and that type of exposure and diverse, um, you know, just thinking and ideas and, and executions, um, it just really helps round you out as a, as a marketer. Um, you know, it just makes you think a little bit differently in some of your meetings where, uh, you know, you might be like, well, I, I remember this other company did this. Um, and then you have the experts all right there to, to speak to that worked on it or just a, a way to, to, um, to connect with them. So that, you know, they're just an arm's length away, all of like this plethora of information and different thinking um, 
that is just such a gift. It's so unique. Um, it, it's, it's definitely unique when compared to the property side and even the brand side. Those are, you know, much more focused on a singular um, output, even if it's with a variety of partners, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty concentrated. So that view, that broad view is, is probably my favorite part of the job. Yeah. And, and being, you know, in, in the New York, you know, area, right. Um, we'll call it the New York city area, metro area. Metropolitan area. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding that there's so much that goes on there, right. Then, and, and from a scope and a scale perspective, massive, right. But then you look at your experience in Australia, right. Totally different scale. Um, Mm -hmm. grew up in Florida, had some different opportunities there with the lightning and such at, at, in terms of being at a team, right? Different scale there. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about a lot of people maybe get scared at looking at the zeros, right? And looking at how big a deal was or whatever the case might be, but can you kind of break it down to the fundamentals and in terms of spending and really just how the dollars uh, to some extent dictate the activation? Yeah. Um, for that, I would say, honestly, it's all relative. It's, you know, at a, at a team, you're comparing those deals to all your other deals. And you might have benchmarks. Um, you know, the NBA was terrific at providing those benchmarks league-wide um, across different categories and, and deal sizes. Um, so it's still, it's still relative. When, you're, when you go outside of sports, the zeros start to accumulate quickly very quickly. There's so much money in different um, categories, different industries out there. Um, So you just have to ground yourself in that understanding of, you know, what is comparable to be thinking of and talking about. And, you know, any, if you're, if you're worth your salt at all, um, you can work with any budget and squeezing the most out of it. And one of my favorite parts of any job I've ever had actually was uh, when I used to work at the NBA in Teambo, I worked very closely with the then D-League teams. Um, And that was some of my favorite work in my whole career because you just, you had to be scrappy. Um, You had to make every dollar work hard and go far Um, and that, you know, that's when you get some of your most creative ideas. Anyone can take a $10 million budget and make something awesome with it. You know, and to be honest, a lot of that ends up being a little bit wasteful. Um, I think because people just are, you know, they're just like flowing with money. But <laughs> when you don't have that kind of money, you really have to be intentional about how it's spent and really make sure every dollar is getting you closer to your objectives, to your KPIs. Um, you got to exercise creativity there. Well, and sometimes those smaller investments, the smaller brands, like it means more to them. Not to say it doesn't mean anything to the bigger ones and the bigger spenders, but it it means a lot more. Maybe it's more significant to their actual holistic budget. Or um, we talk about, you know, alignment, right, in terms of brands. And this is kind of where we'll get into the power of sport aspect of things. You, You think about brands and why they align with sports, right? There is a pure ability that you can align with sports that you can't do with other things. Um, And I want you to just kind of elaborate a little bit on how you've seen that operate over the years uh, throughout your different experiences and which ways that brands truly change some of their stories, some of their, um, 
identity by associating with sports as a whole? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And I'm not going to go the route that I'm sure many other folks that you'll hear from this series will go because they will have far better answers about the power of sport as it relates to society and the world and, you know, very meaningful things. Um, I'll go at it from the brand perspective. Um, the power of sport is, it's just unmatched um, on my side, in my world. Um, you know, I've worked with clients that have different business units with their own objectives, but nothing is as sexy and uh, compelling as the sports parts of the business um, because they have so many eyeballs because there's a level of um, like avidity, there's a level of uh, emotion, and in many cases, just completely irrational <laughs> thinking when it comes to sports and trying as a marketer to predict how people will respond in a sports environment <laughs> is is different than anything else. Um, you know, you're not talking about how people are going to respond to your packaging on a shelf in a grocery store. You're talking about how people are going to react uh, in a, a chaotic environment with 60,000 other people, face fully painted, crazy stuff that they're wearing, um, and just this level. It's just it's just unlike anything else when it comes to marketing. It's so powerful. Um, and it's why so many brands spend so much money to get there, to get to the fans, right? That's, that's the ultimate, is for brands to connect to the fans. It's through the sports teams and leagues that they're getting there, but they know how valuable those fans are. They know that by aligning with those logos, um, it, it changes you know, consideration for brands, it changes um, behavior. Um, you know, those are, those are just unmistakable, um, results. Uh, it's just, it's just hard to deliver those types of numbers, um, whether it's reach and eyeballs and impressions or, um, actual return on your investment. It's just, you know, sports is just really valuable in that way. That's why brands love it. If they can afford it, that's why they love it. Well, and, and then you have a whole nother side of things with the players, right? Like, Yes, you have the team yeah. the leagues, but the players themselves, I mean, there's all sorts of different storylines and things that you can do. You have a little bit more of your endemics, like your Nikes and your Under Armors and Adidas and those brands that will spend more so, but, you know, even your, your Cokes and your Pepsis and um, those companies of the world that want to align with a specific person's identity or passion or where they come from, right? Depending on the hometown, et cetera. I'm stealing your thunder, but I'm, I'm, you know, what do you see from the brand side as you, as you work with a brand and you're trying to help them achieve their business objectives, what's the most important thing from the power of sport to that brand? Yeah. Talking about talent, you're, you're spot on. Um, the talent we see over and over and over, um, that fans gravitate towards and care most about talent and teams well before leagues. Um, and talent more so these days, I think talent's really having a moment. Um, and I think brands are, not every brand's doing it 
right. Um, you know, we counsel our clients um, to be very authentic, right? That's that's really important. And it have you have to have a talent strategy that is going to maximize how talent is being used these days. So just think about a decade or two ago and like when you worked with talent as a brand, it, the power of sport was all still there. Um, and it was why you could sell boxes of Wheaties or, you know, shoes or, you know, whatever else you're, you're pushing. And it was very much an endorsement style, you know, just put someone in a commercial on an, in an ad, um, in a magazine, holding your product, endorsing your product. Um, it was, it was pretty straightforward. Now to your point, it's a completely different environment and brands that do it well tap into the athlete as a person. And that's what we're seeing so much that brands are, sorry, talent players want to be seen as a person, not just the athlete that they are. There's so much more than just an athlete. Um, and if you can uncover, if you can look beyond their stats, right? And you can uncover the stories that matter to them, the things that matter to them, the brands that matter to them, you know, is obviously the most authentic. But if you can tap that and, and co-create with them, I think is where you find the most magic and really start to leverage the power of sport because then you're going beyond just the sport, right? Then you're going into culture um, and, you know, issues. Obviously, we're seeing with, with players, you know, this year especially, their voice is being heard on social issues. So they are really maximizing um, and really approaching how they work with brands a lot differently. And I'm so glad to see it because you just get such a better um, return and authentic connection with fans if you do it right. And we're really in the power of sport and entertainment. Like I know it's yeah. the power of sport, right? But it's the power of sport and entertainment because at the end of the day, it's entertainment. What sure. you're to spend. Well, it depends on which fans you talk to, because for some of them, it seems like it's closer to life and death. <laughs> they, are, <laughs> they are so irrational, some of them. <laughs> God bless them. Yeah, I mean, as you think about the, the, the brand, though, right, associating with, look, there's so many different, well, there used to be, and, and there will be, and they're, <laughs> they're adapting, and there's things that you can do, right, differently from um, now things that are virtual experiences and mm -hmm. different ways to get a brand involved that maybe was never before. How much of it is being diverse and different and doing something that's never been done before versus just being there and being with the platform mm. or, you know, just having a, a spot? Yeah. You know, we're all doing something different now this year, you know, everyone's doing something different. But in the same vein, a lot of them are doing the same different thing. So, you know, a virtual appearance on Zoom with a player that used to be, you know, used to be able to take many different forms. Um, you know, there's just a lot of that. There's a lot of digital content. There's a lot of clutter to cut through now um, when you take away, um, even just temporarily, the ability to interact in person because you just have so many different choices there. Um, and I think there's, there, I think it took a little while, but I think uh, brands, agencies, and, and lots and lots of third-party companies, especially in the tech space, are, are I, I feel like there's finally like a, a critical mass of 
new and different thinking coming out of this and um, you know, you're not just, it, it's not just as simple as taking what was physical and making it virtual. Like you have to consider a completely different experience virtually, um, than you do in person. And if you're not, if you're, if you're thinking about it just in that way, like so simply, you're going to miss out on, on making it really different and special. Um, so I, I think we're still scratching the surface. I do think um, a lot of the solutions and ideas that come out of this and are, are coming out of this will stick around. And I hope that they do, because it just makes us all work a little bit harder <laughs> to think differently and, and come up with new ideas um, and, and be distinct and, and have a brand stick out among all the clutter that is online or on your TV or phone or whatever it is right now. Well, there's a new level of expectation now from an idea, you know, an ideation perspective, the creativity perspective, it's almost expected now going, you know, into the, whatever the next, you know, 2021 looks like in terms of brands spending, like the ex expectation of just putting a sign up anymore, like that's, that's gone. Like that gone. days are, are, are over. Right. And so how do you get past that? Um, let's let's transition real quick into your definition of the power of sport like we just talked about what it can be for brands but to you as someone that's in the industry been across a bunch of different properties worked internationally and seen it through a different lens even there to what it can do for culture you know i mentioned i know you mentioned culture earlier power of sport what is it to you the power of sport is the ability to make people act differently <laughs> sports makes you think and act differently um than maybe your everyday you know how you normally act like you just it transforms you as a human being and then that individual transformation bleeds to everyone around you it makes you it's basically like an alter ego <laughs> when you talk about someone's relationship to the sports that matter to them. Um, you know, it makes them hate their best friend or family members. <laughs> it makes them love someone that they may have never know, you know, wanted to get to know, but because you have this one thing in common, all of a sudden, your preconceived notions or your previous habits or your, your just your way of thinking, it's like it doesn't exist and you just become this other alter ego, <laughs> all like different person. And that part is a double-edged sword, you know, it can be great and can be terrifying. Um, but I think the power of sport is almost always very positive you know, it, it just brings people together. It stops wars. I mean, it's just, it's, there's just nothing like it. You talk about alter egos. My first thought was like fever pitch with Ben Affleck and, and the <laughs> yeah. Red Sox and, and how, you know, um, it, it just completely transforms him into a different person. Right. I mean, yeah. I hate to That's say That's a very good example. <laughs> like, I hate to say it's in the movies and, you know, it's fake, but it's not like it's oh it's not everyone knows someone that becomes 
someone else, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm no different. If you ask my husband what it's like to watch a Gator game or a Cubs game with me and even a lightning game, like I am, I guess I'm, well, if you know me really well, maybe it's not that different of how I act normally, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, you just kind of abandon any, you know, decorum sometimes, or, you know, it's just, it's a, you get lost in it. You do. Um, in the best kind of way. As someone in the industry, as a professional in the, in the industry, and for, and for someone who's going to try and get their foot in the door, or they're trying to go from entry level to the next level, or, you know, they're thinking, maybe they're listening to this, they're in tech or they're in banking and they want to get into sports, right? But they're mm. another experience. How do you take away that layer of that alter ego and see it from a different lens and a different perspective because it's your job, it's your career, right? Mm. What it's a fun. great question, Jake. Right? I mean... I struggle with this one because I know so many people who want to hear in an interview, I'm a huge fan of... XYZ, you know, I know every stat and at all, I'm such a fan. That to me is pretty close to the kiss of death because I, you know, I'm not looking for, for fans. I'm looking for people that understand fans. You know, I want a business minded person that wants to work in sports, right? I need someone that wants to understand and has a passion for and, um, you know, really just wants to be a professional on the business side. You know, it's, it is business, it's economics, it's marketing, it's supply and demand, it's, um, you know, psychographics and psychology. It's, it's all the things that every other marketer needs to have. It's just sports. So it's, Basically, to me, in, in my, the way I look at my career, is it's more fun. Like, it's just more fun, and I just care to talk about it more than if I was marketing washing machines, right? So it's, it's entertaining and fun and never a dull moment, and you have this layer of the fandom um, that no one is as excited about a washing machine as they are about their, like, local sports team right? Their hometown team, their alma mater, like no one. <laughs> so never underestimate a good washing machine. I mean, I, mean, I sure, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I, I would caution people. And again, this is personally, because there are some hiring managers out there that want to hear that you're a fan. I'm just not one of them. I want to know that you can separate your fandom from the work at hand, that you can be objective, that you don't let that muddy the waters. And listen, like that might be a lot different on a team side. If you're such a fan of a team and you're in a, a sales role at a team and that team has like a really bad loss and you're devastated, are, what are you gonna be like on the phones the next day? You know, can you have like a real conversation with people when you're, you know, so down about a loss. Like I just, I want people who care about business and have business savvy and just happen to want to do it in sports. And side note, are also happy to make a lot less money because there's just, 
you know, you're just, that's like off the top. I think everybody kind of knows that like you just make a lot less money in this part of the industry, but the trade-off is you enjoy your work a lot more. And it's that fascination of the complexity of the business in the sense that there are problems that become bigger than they really are right? Or there are solutions that are bigger than they really are because of the stage, because of the power of sport, right? Yeah. You yeah, know, that's definitely true. If, if someone's really passionate about fixing something and it's the hardware piece of the technology, like that doesn't make the front page of the paper. Definitely not. Or the website or whatever, you're, you know, social media. But they can both be just as impactful. It's just a different context. Yeah, right? yeah, it is. It is a bigger stage. And so, you know, that's another thing that you need people that want to be on that stage, you know, that, that understand how important it is to so many people <laughs> um, and you want to want to give their all. Um, and I would also say, you know, sports, and I, I really do think, um, you know, this whole like pause of sports and kind of resetting of a lot of things will be super beneficial because I think there's a lot of room for improvement on the business side of sports. Um, just business practices that have been very long-standing um, because the industry has not been super diverse for a very long time. So I'm very hopeful that this is a catalyst, um, that this whole year for many reasons is a real catalyst for the sports industry to think differently, act differently, hire differently, um, and you know just improve the overall functioning of the business side, which will ultimately end up serving the fans far better and you can't forget about the player side because the player side is a business too oh yes it's a huge business huge business they're doing they're doing the best job to be honest they're doing a great job they're a business of one and they're they're doing so many of them are doing such great work um and really honing their craft and and understanding themselves as a brand um, they're doing a really, really strong job. We got to finish this episode with the rapid fire, of course. Mm. So bring it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you're ready. Um, all <laughs> I right. I have no idea what kind of questions you're going to ask. So I, I don't, I don't, know I don't either. So we're going to see where this goes. Um, okay. You know, you obviously Tampa, um, the league office, rugby. You've got to have a favorite sport that you like to play. I like to play. Um. Well, I played lacrosse in college, there you so go. I, but I haven't played that in a long time because, you know, it takes a lot to play that. It takes a team, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would say as of right now, my favorite sport to play is probably golf. I'm spending a lot of time golfing, which I'm sure a ton of people are also doing. Um, I'm just kind of at this point in my life where I'm really trying to play the odds and what are, what are the sports that I can play at my age kind of well and for a long time and golf really rose to the top so spent a lot of time on the course this this summer um and still trying to squeeze in hopefully this weekend even though it's getting cooler um at least up here but yeah right now it's golf did you play golf when you were in australia and if so best course out there i didn't we had a lot of um tough choices as to what to ship what to bring with us the golf clubs didn't make the cut I would have loved loved to do that though what was the go-to activity in Australia then um a lot of hiking you know a lot of outdoors 
running. Um, I actually did play, or well, I played a little bit of like touch football. Um, and my husband surfed a lot, um, biking, you know, just outdoor. They're very, very outdoorsy over there. And why wouldn't you be? It's completely stunning and the weather's great in Sydney. So a lot of outdoor stuff. If I know anything from my couple week experience with one of the programs from Australia during grad school, it's called footy. Is that right? Um, so, yep. Footy is a common name. for there, And there are three types of rugby in Australia. So I know most people don't know that. There's Aussie rules football, the AFL, there's rugby union and rugby league. So I worked for the National Rugby League, but I joked all the time that it really should be called the National Rugby League League. <laughs> because rugby league is like a type of rugby. Uh, it's bizarre. Anyway, so there's, there's three different types. What's the biggest difference between Australia and here in terms of the food? Ooh, um, that's interesting. Uh, it's, it's definitely healthier over there than here. Um, they use a lot more like vegetables and like a lot more seafood and smaller portions. Um, so I'd say it's definitely healthier with maybe the exception of um, meat pies, which are very popular. <laughs> So you mentioned you're a Cubs fan. Yep. I mean, you didn't live in Chicago. You're from Florida. You live in New yep. York. How did that happen? Um, so Florida, as many people probably know, got some expansion teams in the 90s. Um, but, you know, before those teams were around or before they were super popular, you watched the Braves on TBS or the Cubs and White Sox on WGN. Like, that was – those were your options for baseball. And a lot of people in Florida were Braves fans, like geographically closer. Um, and the Braves used to spring train, you know, outside of Orlando, where I'm from. Um, so they were, you know, the most popular growing up. Um, but I gravitated towards the Cubs and WGN and they, you know, their game started at 2.20. So when I was in high school and then we got out of school at 2.15, you know, they were on right after school, and it was great. So I watched the games before I went to lacrosse practice, and that's how I became a Cubs fan. Have you ever been to Wrigley? I have, and I cried. And that is, if I mean, if you want to talk about the power of sport, like how how does like a grown woman <laughs> go to a you know a baseball stadium and start crying? Like that's the power of sport. I think that's for episode two. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> okay. play that one. All right, okay. last, last, last uh, thing as we wrap up, you yeah. know, you've worked across quite a few different sports. What's one sport that from a business perspective really intrigues you uh, in terms of the, the business model and just how, it, how it's evolving? Intrigues me. That's not the question I thought I was going to get. Um, that could go a lot of different ways. Well, you know, the NBA, as most people probably believe um, or know to be true is, you know, I think the most innovative of all the leagues. Um, they are just, you know, ahead of the curve. They are setting a lot of the standards as far as business practice goes. Um, the most intriguing actually to me might be um, MLS 
and just soccer in general, um, I still can't fully understand all the different properties and players and, um, and players, I mean, like, you know, stakeholders and like other, um, other types of properties. Um, there's the international layer, you know, I, I just don't know if everybody, unless you're a diehard soccer fan, really gets like the landscape of soccer, especially in the US. I think it's a lot more complicated here. Um, so all of that very much intrigues me. Um, and I'm, you know, I've, I'm working with some of our soccer uh, partners on behalf of Verizon with Momentum. So I'm learning, I'm definitely learning, um, but I think I have a long way to go. Um, and a close second behind soccer, and I think a lot of your audience will probably agree with this, is esports and gaming. Um, similarly, lots of players, like lots of properties, lots of teams and leagues and games and manufacturers um, and just so much to know in that space. Um, it's just a lot to, to really wrap your head around and understand how it all works and who works well together and who doesn't and, you know, where to place your bets. Um, so I think those two for me are the most intriguing and, you know, where I would like to understand a lot more. So I'm, I'm working on that currently. All right, last question for you. Obviously, you spent some time in Australia. What is the other international co country that you would like to live in one time in your life? Wow, that's a great one. Um, for a while, I thought it was the UK just because of like ease, uh, you know, English speaking, which, you know, language barriers. I, I took French for a while, even over the summer, and it's just a very hard language to master. But I think I would actually say um, I would love to live in Amsterdam. Like, I love it there. It is so incredible. Um, and the quality of life, I just feel like, would be pretty great. Maybe now that everyone's working remotely, I can make my case. We'll see. Well, uh, hey, you know, you mentioned maybe retire in, in Australia. Maybe you retire in Amsterdam. I mean, who, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Ma anything's possible. Nicole, any last thoughts for our listeners? Um, you know, I just sit back and hold tight. I know that a lot of you out there, if you're working in this industry, are, you know, struggling or, you know, just a lot of challenges being thrown at you, um, the, regardless of what part of the industry you're in. It's a really tough time. And... I'm really excited, obviously, to be on the other side of all of this, but to be able to look back and obviously a global pandemic and so many people dying withstanding, um, I think we're all going to learn a ton as far as how we work and what we do and the type of work we produce, the way we think about our industry. Um, I think there's going to be so many good business practices that come out of all of these challenges. Um, so. I'm really looking forward to a year from now or just maybe next summer looking back and, and, and trying to quantify and qualify all of those things we've all learned throughout this from a work perspective, not with, you know, don't even get me started on like personally, but from a work perspective. Um, so just anyone out there that is working in the industry and going through all of this and those that are looking for jobs. I know this is tough. This 
sucks. And it is going to be very challenging, but we're all going to get through all of this. And I do hope, you know, we're better on the other side and just, just hang in there. Appreciate it. Well, great, great insights, great advice, great thoughts, perspectives. Really appreciate the time, Nicole. And thank you for being a part of our Power of Sports series with UCF's DeVos Sports Business Management Program. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. Thanks.